Welcome to We the People, a podcast giving a Christian perspective on news, politics, hot topics, and so much more. Hosted by Rodney Nesmith, worship pastor at New Life Fellowship in Lovelock, Nevada. This week, Pastor Rodney is joined by David Stockman, former director of the Office of Management and Budget under Ronald Reagan, and they are discussing the economy and the upcoming recession. We the People starts right after this quick commercial break. At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide life-saving equipment to first responders across the country. So at Firehouse Subs, we don't just make subs, we make subs that are big, bold, and craveable. We make our subs differently because our subs make a difference. Like our Firehouse Meatball or Hearty Italian Sub, your choice for just $6.99 each. Firehouse Subs, enjoy more subs, save more lives. the latest episode of We The People. Here's Rodney. Hey everybody, this is Rodney with the We The People podcast and uh, glad to have everybody on tonight. And tonight we have uh, David Stockman with us and he is an author and uh, financial kind of uh, expert guy. So I'm going to let him introduce himself and his book and then we're going to talk about finances. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, happy to be on your show. I've been at it for a while. I started on Capitol Hill in 1970 as a staffer. It was elected to Congress in 1976, became part of the Reagan administration in 1980. I was the budget director and one of the authors of his attempt to fundamentally shift economic policy in a more sensible direction. After that, I went to Wall Street. I was one of the founders of the Blackstone Group, which is uh, a large uh, uh, financial entity uh, asset manager uh, in, on Wall Street today. And currently, I publish a daily uh, newsletter about politics, finance, Wall Street, the Fed, and all the other important topics uh, every day called uh, David Stockman's Contra Corner. I guess the topic at hand is a book that I've just published uh, called The Great Money Bubble. And uh, it's an attempt to explain to people how we got into this predicament that we're in today, where we have inflation at 40-year high highs. Uh, we have the Fed desperately trying to catch up by raising interest rates, but interest rates are still way below the inflation rate, which means that people are losing money if they're invested in a savings account. We have uh, an economy that is freighted down with massive amounts of debt that were fueled by these ultra low interest rates that the Fed uh, imposed uh, for so many years. And we have a financial market that uh, I think is in a very dangerous condition because much of this fiat credit that was generated by the Fed over those years uh, through just a few months ago ended up inflating financial assets on Wall Street, stocks and bonds and ETFs and that spilled over into uh, real estate. It spilled over even into the cryptoverse. And so now everything's inflated. Debt, uh, crypto coins, stocks, bonds, uh, and the cost of living as people uh, painfully um, 
experience as they go into the grocery store or gas station. So we got one a heck of a mess, and my book is designed to try to explain it, get to the bottom of it, uh, figure out what caused it, uh, and where we may be going from here. Beautiful. And uh, hopefully there's some answers in there for people with, you know, because we're experiencing sticker shock and everything we purchase every day, whether it's gas or groceries or paying an electric bill or whatever the case is, inflation affects all of it. And, uh, you know, so uh, what are some what's some advice you would give my viewers and listeners as far as uh, how to handle this kind of thing through this, you know, this bad economy? Okay, good question. First of all, don't expect it to end anytime soon. In other words, uh, this uh, you know massive inflation bubble that we have uh, in our economy from A to Z has been uh, generated uh, over a thirty-year period of time, and it's now distorted the economy so badly, created such a inflationary momentum that the Fed is going to have to struggle with it and probably throw the economy in a pretty severe recession that may last a lot longer than people expect or that prior uh, recessions uh, have uh, uh, experienced. So that's the first thing. Uh, this uh, the inflation storm uh, is not going to go away anytime soon, and it's a lot more embedded than they want you to believe. The second thing is they're going to constantly tell you Wall Street, the brokers, the financial asset managers, uh, the bottom's in. We finally, uh, you know, cleared out the excess and now is a great time to get in because uh, you can catch up on anything you've lost over the last six, eight or ten months. And uh, this might be even an opportunity of a lifetime. Don't believe it. Uh, we're not near the bottom, either in the stock market or in the tech stocks. Uh, or uh, certainly in the long-term debt. I mean, uh, look at a 10-year treasury today yielded 3.5% under that. The inflation rate's 8%. Uh, how, how is that, uh, you know, how does that make sense? How is that sustainable? The only thing that can happen is the price of that bond is going to go down and go down a lot, even as you're getting a uh, uh, a meager 3.5% uh, meager, uh, yield on the position that you have. Real estate is in the same boat. Normally, real estate mm -hmm. is a good inflation hedge, but we've had such ultra low interest rates for so long that massive amounts of debt, and I mean massive, tens of trillions of dollars, have poured into the residential and commercial real estate markets and driven up prices to the sky because uh, it was so easy to borrow money and you know uh, bar, bar, and, uh, invest uh, 10 cents on a dollar, borrow the balance and hope it would keep going up. So real estate isn't a very good answer either. Uh, what we're going to go through is a period of reckoning, of uh, austerity, whatever you want to call it. And people need to think about uh, you know, unfortunately, reducing their spending, turning some assets that may be at a peak value into cash and paying down debt and uh, sort of hunkering down for the storm because I called it an inflationary storm in my book. And that's exactly what it is. And it's going to be here for a long time. So you need to take uh, long term action to deal with really what is a fundamental change in the environment. We've had a party 
really, for the last 30 years. We've had massive gains in the stock market, which seemed like an easy way to get rich. Give, give you one example of some statistics uh, that uh, document this. If you go to December uh, 2008, uh, after the big financial crash and Lehman, Brother, ba Lehman Brothers bankruptcy and the bailout uh, of Wall Street by uh, Congress, uh, the leading edge of the stock market, which is the NASDAQ 100, they're the mm -hmm. tech stocks, the high flyers, that's where you found the Facebooks and the Googles right. and uh, all the rest of them, were up at last fall's peak it's off a little now yes but we're up by 1250 percent over that uh, 13 year period of time that's a hell of a lot of gain in a short period of time but more importantly during the same 13 years the gdp of the u.s economy only went up 55 percent so what you had was the stock market rising about 20, 25 times faster than the economy was growing. Now, how does that make sense? How is no, that? It doesn't make sense. I know, because ultimately, the stock market is simply uh, the capitalization of future earnings and cash flows of the companies that make it up. And they can't... Right. The group grow any faster than the GDP. So if you're growing 23 times faster than the GDP, which is what the story has been uh, for the last 13 years, uh, you're in. You're not in a good place. You're in a place where uh, some uh, adjustment, uh, some reckoning, uh, some recalibration uh, of large magnitude uh, has to happen. Yeah. So what uh, what does what does our government need to do? to stem this tide of inflation and recession that obviously we're in? Well, first of all, the Congress and the White House needs to recognize and accept the fact that they've been living in a dream world for several decades. They've been spending uh, without much restraint and they've borrowed all the money and they've run up the national debt. You know, when I was budget director in 1981, it was under one trillion. It's thirty-one trillion today. You know, I have not been around that long. So, in four decades, we've had a thirty-one-fold increase uh, in our public debt. And the reason for it was not simply that politicians became more reckless, more irresponsible, uh, became bigger spendthrifts than they ever were before. No, the real reason is that after the late 80s, when Volcker uh, was kind of forced out of the Fed, Paul Volcker, and replaced by Alan Greenspan, the Fed began to monetize the public debt in a major way. And that took the near-term sting out of it. In other words, if you borrow, if you finance these big deficits honestly in the bond pits, then uh, what's going to happen is interest rates will rise considerably. Other mm -hmm. borrowers, such as home mortgage borrowers or businesses on Main Street, uh, are going to be crowded out or forced to pay uh, much higher interest rates. And so you get two reactions. One is an economic reaction, which is a you know, is negative. And second, a political or public reaction where everybody starts complaining about the uh, U.S. Treasury and its sharp elbows, uh, you know, crowding everyone out of uh, the, the uh, debt markets and making interest rates painfully high. Now, the key point is that's how it used to be. 
And that's what kept politicians meaningfully, or somewhat anyway, honest. They knew if they pushed the deficit too far for too long, you would get that crowding out, you would get rising interest rates, you would get political reaction from the hometown voters in Main Street, and uh, it wasn't a viable policy. But once the Fed started buying up all the debt, uh, monetizing the debt, uh, it changed the equation dramatically. It kept interest rates ultra low, and so the pain didn't happen. It uh, basically uh, eliminated the crowding out because the Fed stepped into the breach and just flooded uh, Wall Street uh, with cheap uh, credit, which could then fund these huge deficits. And so we got away, uh, you know, for almost two decades, uh, defying the laws of economics. And that is uh, Washington functioned as if there was a free lunch when in fact there was just free money being printed by the Fed. So that's mm -hmm. that was the cause, that's the core problem. And what Washington needs to do is recognize that the Fed needs to be reformed, house cleaned, uh, root and branch, because it is filled with, you know, Keynesian financial uh, engineers who think that just by twiddling with interest rates and buying up massive amounts of debt, they can make the economy healthier. And it's pretty clear what they did was uh, inside a huge, uh, as I call it, money bubble, uh, inflation bubble that we're having uh, to cope with at the present time. So we need uh, a sober Fed. And if we get a sober Fed, then we're going to have a Congress that has to face the music that is, if you keep borrowing all this money, interest rates are going to choke off the economy and, uh, you know, create a severe political reaction uh, at the local level. If we make right. those changes, uh, you know, we have a chance to get out of the deep woods that we're in today. Well, that's the next question I was going to ask you is, is uh, raising the interest rates going to help us short term or long term? Um, my view is you have to raise them, but it won't help us. The point is right now, they're under the uh, interest rates are far less than inflation. So if the 10-year uh, U.S. Treasury, which is kind of the benchmark interest rate that everything else more or less prices off from that, if the 10-year Treasury today uh, closed at less than 3.5% yield, and the last inflation report on a year-over-year -year basis was 8%, then you can do the math and it basically says that you've got 4 to 5% negative real interest rate. Right. And when you have negative real interest rate, uh, rates for any sustained period of time, the economy doesn't work because uh, it's a giant subsidy for borrowing and speculation and uh, what we call malinvestment or wasteful uh, investment in projects that don't produce a solid rate of return. So that's what you have to get after. Uh, and uh, it's, it won't be pleasant because there is now 91 trillion of debt on the US economy, 31 trillion at the federal level. And then if you add households and businesses and financial institutions, there's 91 trillion. That's 3.6 times wow. GDP, highest ratio we've ever had. 
And so therefore, with all that debt, uh, you're only going to dig yourself in deeper if you keep interest rates at negative real levels. In other words, we got to that point. And, and frankly, uh, it's been in a lifetime. And when Greenspan became uh, head of the uh, Fed, uh, the total debt on the economy in 1987 was $10 trillion. Now it's $90 trillion. So that's how much of the debt has grown just in, in the last 33 years or so. Um, and it's made the whole system, uh, you know, uh, not sustainable. And that's really what we're up against at the present time. Yeah, that's what, you know, I don't understand how we can continue to keep things the way they're going, you know, continue to spend money like there's no tomorrow and continue to raise interest rates and all these things. And how is this, how you can't real realistically look at this and think it's sustainable. I, I think that's the key point. That is the key point. And when the question then comes to the individual uh, American citizen or investor, and the question is, what do we do? Uh, because an individual isn't going to change the course of policy at the Federal Reserve or get Congress to sober up and stop borrowing so much money. So what do we do uh, in response to the environment that we're in, the, to the hand that's been dealt us, that most people know is kind of stupid and, and totally non-sustainable? Well, I think the key answer is to, re to recognize this is going to take years to work through at minimum, that there's going to be no more big uh, booming gains in the financial markets those days are behind us, that what I call the Wall Street casino is no longer safe <laughs> for adult, uh, adults, children, women, uh, <laughs> anyone, <laughs> or, or, or anyone, old ladies, uh, uh, and that you have to basically adopt a strategy that I call wealth preservation, a defensive strategy, rather than um, one that is the more uh, traditional, which is uh, the pursuit of appreciation and a good, solid, or even high returns. It's just not there. So people uh, need to stay out of the casino. When they tell you the bottom's in, don't believe them because it's not. If you have big winners because you were fortunate enough to buy uh, Tesla or one of those high flyers, uh, you can you should sell the stock and use the cash to pay down your debt and get as lean and financially clean as you can because it's not a six-month proposition. It's probably six years of uh, very oh, difficult wow. uh, environment that we're going to have to go through. Uh, six years uh, when any interest we have to pay on our debt will be higher, far higher really, than it's been in the last six years or even the last 16 years. And uh, therefore, the prudent thing to do is spend less, reduce debt, and get as liquid uh, as possible uh, and hedge uh, what wealth you do have by buying some gold, you know, not the whole thing, but some uh, margin of gold. And by recognizing right. that uh, at least if uh, you invest in so-called tips, which are you know, inflation-protected treasury securities, you won't get a barn burner of a return, but you'll get all your money back, including the inflation, 
that uh, has happened during the holding period, uh, as well as uh, at least a, a modest amount of interest. Now, that's not very exciting after you've gone through a world in which people, you know, uh, bought Apple at, uh, you know, a tenth of where it is today. Right. But that's the world that we're heading into, uh, a world where you've got to look for the safe uh, place for your money, not for uh, the next, uh, uh, you know, rocket ship uh, that's going to carry you uh, to uh, undreamed of wealth because uh, those days are over. Um, now, my next question, my next question would be this. What uh, would your advice be to people like myself? that are invested through in a 401k through their company that they work for, um, would you be stay, would your advice be to stay in a, at a medium risk or low risk, or would you change what your investments are like into gold and silver or what would you do? Well, uh, in a 401k, you can do a lot of things. Uh, and the uh, best strategy would be first, uh, a very low, low risk strategy. Uh, and secondly, there are low-risk uh, opportunities. You can, there are some stocks that pay a big dividend uh, and uh, have a kind of uh, rock-solid cash flow that you can count on for a long period of time. Utilities uh, would be one example. Or uh, short-term mm -hmm. treasuries. I wouldn't buy long-term, even middle-term treasuries unless you're willing to hold on until maturity because in the next few years, if for some reason you need the cash, you've got to pay bills, or you got, you know, you're going to retire, or you've got kids going to college, uh, you don't want to have to sell those uh, ten-year or thirty-year treasuries because you won't get uh, your money back uh, after uh, inflation. Um, right. But uh, one, two-year treasuries don't have a lot of price risk. And you are now getting three or four percent yields, and I think mm -hmm. the yields will be higher. They'll go to five or six percent, and you can keep rolling over one-year money. And I think the rates uh, will go to five and six and seven percent, even, which again is not uh, a home run. It's not the barn burner that people have come to expect or might even feel entitled to, but it's the safe uh, way to go given that we've turned the corner on this big, uh, you know, money bubble uh, uh, that uh, has been um, inflating for the last 30 years. In other words, what I'm saying is we're now becoming aware of how big and how painful the inflation is at the grocery store mm -hmm. or the gas pump. Yeah. But what yeah. it's really telling us is that the party, the inflationary party, that was concentrated on Wall Street and in the stock market and in the tech sector in particular uh, is over. And uh, you know, those, those gains just aren't gonna happen. I mean, look at something like uh, uh, even Facebook, which was a high, high flyer, uh, right. you know, go-to stock. Uh, it peaked in value last uh, fall at about 1.2 trillion of market cap it's 300 billion today. So somehow in that period of time, 800 billion worth of value that a lot of investors thought they had in the bank uh, for good has vanished, has vaporized as the stock has crashed by 75%. Now, Facebook wasn't just yeah. an aberration. Okay. Facebook is kind of the poster boy 
for uh, the embedded danger that's still in the stock market because all the correction uh, is by no means uh, uh, completed. Wow. You know, the, I, you know I, tr I try to give my listeners some good news, but man, there ain't much good news in this. <laughs> well, there um, is good news. There is good news in this sense that if you're prepared for the reality, which has changed dramatically, and take action accordingly, and you can thereby uh, preserve your wealth for a time when things will normalize and we can go back to uh, more traditional investment uh, strategies and practices, uh, you're going to be happy that you did. I mean, and you, you, in other words, you have to deal with the hand that's being dealt. And unfortunately, yeah. our, our politicians and our policy managers have dealt us a very bad hand. And the thing that we have to do now is recognize that, uh, even though it's, uh, you know, not uh, very uh, attractive, and do what needs to be done to weather the storm, which is going to be with us for quite a few years. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, all the new, you know, the news say, well, well we're going to get this inflation lowered. It's going to come back around, and you know, all this kind of thing. And I keep looking at, as far as spending, or as you know, raising the national debt more every single day. How do you yeah. expect this to change? It's not going to. Well, you know, I, I think you put your finger on it. Remember, uh, Einstein once said that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Exactly. Well, as long, as long as the politicians keep the deficit at one to two trillion a year, as long as they're trying to force the Fed to print money in order to finance uh, this lavish uh, public expense and, and borrowing, uh, you're not you're not going to get out of the trap that we're in today. Right. So uh, the key thing for the uh, average investor is, you know, keep your eye on Washington. And if they don't change, if uh, it's more of uh, two parties uh, doing the same thing uh, over and over and blaming each other, uh, if there's no change uh, at right. the Fed that, that lasts, I think they've made a good change since March, but I don't know how long it'll last. Uh, until that happens, uh, you've got to hunker down, go into a wealth preservation mode, get liquid, get out of debt, and cut spending uh, as deeply as you can uh, uh, and still uh, maintain some semblance of, of a li uh, living standard. Right. And, you know, with uh, you say, you know, cut expenses, man, that's hard to do when everything's jacked up. All the prices are jacked up of everything. But I yep. get what you're saying. You've got to, you know, maybe cut out the, the lattes, you know, four or five times a week or whatever the case is. And and uh, and, and go a little leaner, obviously, on your speed. Yep. And agreed, try to get out of debt as much as possible and as fast as possible and, and still be able to live. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it sounds like a daunting task, but it's one that people have not had to face for several de uh, generations, really, or several decades, even generations. Uh, but now that's what's on the uh, table in front of us. And I think that people will find that if you really start uh, scrubbing through, uh, your, you know, your cost of living and what you buy and you don't buy and, you know, right. the 
Starbucks uh, uh, each week and a lot of other things like that. Right. Uh, you know, um, you can uh, make a difference in terms of your cash flow, and you could apply that cash flow to reducing whatever debt you have and uh, avoiding getting back in the casino where you can easily lose it um, in an effort to make, uh, you know, to catch up, which is uh, pretty dangerous at the present time. You have, I'm assuming that you have a lot of this information in your book, The Great Money Bubble. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, and it's twofold. One, it tries to explain how deeply embedded and long running this problem is, where it came from. And mm -hmm. then it addresses some of these questions that we've been talking about. Well, now that we understand how serious this inflationary storm is, what do we do about it? Uh, how do we survive uh, <laughs> to the other side, yeah. which may be a few years down the road? So that's uh, really the heart of the book. Um, and I uh, appreciate the chance to talk to you about it. Well, I, I appreciate you being on and, uh, you know, and explaining these things because a lot of, um, you know, financial gurus, so to speak, but just deal with our everyday finances in our households don't have this kind of information yeah. at our fingertips. So this book would be a great asset to myself and to others like me that are in this position and wondering, man, what are we going to do? You know, our in you know our costs are going up, but my paycheck isn't going up. And right. uh, you know, and that's and that's like you said, get lean and uh, cut spending where you can cut it, and uh, and and be very wise with your investments. Yeah, and the other uh, bonus is that it's uh, a small book. Uh, hold it up here, uh, <laughs> and it's two hundred and forty pages. So uh, there you, you go. Know, I try to get right to the essence of the issues, and um, uh, I hope uh, it's valuable to people that are caught in these circumstances that uh, have nothing to do with, uh, you know, what they've done over the years. It's what the politicians right. and policy leaders have done, and so uh, we've got to cope. That's that's what it's all about. So thank you very much for the opportunity uh, to uh, talk with you about it. Well, we appreciate it. I appreciate it. My listeners are going to appreciate it as well with the, the sound savvy advice and uh, of somebody like yourself that knows the ins and outs of all these things. So we appreciate your time. We appreciate you being on. And uh, I encourage everybody to go out and get his book and uh, ed educate yourself on the financial situation we're in and educate yourself on what to do with your own home finances. And uh, to, to, like you said, weather the storm. So from We The People podcast and my listeners, and uh, we appreciate you being on. We thank you for the book and we thank you for your time tonight. Very good. Uh, enjoyed uh, the conversation. Thank you. And uh, get his book and uh, help yourself out financially. Uh, we've got to be wise in this time because stuff's bad out there right now. Finances are bad. You know, like I said, everything's going up. Our paychecks aren't. So we've got to be wise with our spending, wise with our investments. So get Mr. Sockman's book called The Great Money Bubble, and it's available on Amazon and probably everywhere else. So get that book, educate yourself. And uh, from we the people, I thank you for subscribing. I thank you for sharing this. I thank you for listening. And uh, let's move forward. We the people. God bless. Have a great night.